the Sabbath. Thankful to be here. Thankful for the visitors. It's good to see you guys. I'm glad you get to fellowship with us and worship with us. It's a long way from Gatlinburg, huh? <laughs> I don't know that I'd drive that far. I don't know that I'm that that I'm that dedicated or that committed, but I, but I'm glad that there are people, Yahweh's people, that'll do that. And uh, and I think it's you should be uh, you should be praised for your efforts. So I'm glad that you're here, and um, I'm glad to be able to teach. I'm glad that Yahweh's put it in my put it in my heart to be obedient and to stand up here and try to encourage the brothers and sisters. Yahweh, Father, I thank you for um, the opportunity to stand before your children and to uh, share your word with them. Father, to expound upon things that are that are written of old. Father, I love you so much, and I pray that um, that I don't embarrass you when I stand here. Father, I pray that the words that come from my mouth honor you exalt you, and exhort the, the children that are sitting in this um, congregation. And Father, whatever I say, I pray that, I, that I, don't, I don't do it wrong and that I don't say it wrong and that, that everybody leaves here edified, encouraged, and um, a little bit smarter than they were when they come in here. So Father, I ask you now that you just speak through me and um, use me as a vessel. Let me not shame you and, and um, just be, be who you'd have me to be, Father. I love you so very much, and I'm thankful for your only begotten Son and all that was done and the work of the cross. And Father, I just give you praise today. I ask all these things in your Holy Son's name. Amen. All right, last time I taught in chapter 1 of James, we went through verses 5 through 11, and we talked about a true saving faith and how it would help us in our various trials. We learn that the reason for all of our trials and tests is so that we're to be refined and made better and made whole so that you know we become what Yahweh wants us to be. We also learn from verse 12 that the man that endures the trials, he's blessed. Because when he endures and passes the test, he receives the crown of eternal life. And that's the... That's the goal for all of us. That's what we should all be after is the, the crown of eternal life. And so we must endure the trials that are set before us by Yahweh. This week, we're going to study verses 13 through 18. So let's turn to the book of James, and chapter 1, and we'll read verses 13 through 18, and then we'll get started. All right, verse 13. In chapter 1, it says, No one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted. By the Almighty. For the Almighty is not tempted by evil, and he himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desires. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dearly loved brothers. Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, with him, there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. By his own choice, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. Prior to these verses, James has been discussing trials that we encounter through our life. And we learned that the Greek word for trial is the word parosmos. I talked about that, I think, maybe two sermons ago, but if not, maybe the last one. And that Yahweh places us in these trials to refine us and to make us what he desires us to be. 
But in these verses, James moves into a subject into the subject of temptation, which happens to be the same exact Greek word. The Greek word is parasmos, which can mean trial or temptation. Now, every trial can have one or two outcomes, depending on our response to the trial that Yahweh lets us endure. It can refine us, or it can lead us into temptation. Both are based on our responses. If we respond to the trial with endurance and obedience to Yahweh, then it becomes a means of spiritual growth. But, but when we're going through the trial, if we respond by doubting, Yahweh's, doubting Yahweh or denying his word and letting the trial become a stumbling block, then temptation is born. Now keep in mind that the whole epistle of James is a series of tests. I talked about that the first time I taught. It's a series of tests, and this is one here. In the section between the verses 13 and 18, this is one of the tests. And the test is this. Do we accept the responsibility when we are tempted, or do we blame Yahweh for it? We are all tempted. James doesn't say if you're tempted, but rather when you're tempted. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to humanity. We're all tempted. Every one of us are tempted. It's a common thing for people to not accept responsibility. This is common. When they're tempted... Or when they fall in, they don't, want to, they don't want to accept responsibility. And this goes for the believer or the unbeliever. It doesn't matter. Nobody wants to accept responsibility. And that's what James is talking about here. Where you put the blame, the blame at during the temptation is a sign of true saving faith or the lack thereof. So every trial we face presents us with a question or a test of faith. A, will I preserve and have faith, or will I persevere and have faith? and be obedient, or B, will I follow my own wicked desires in the trial, and I'll fall into temptation and into sin. Sometimes choice B is made. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, sometimes you follow your own wicked desires rather than following Yahweh. It, it happens. Just because we're baptized and our bodies wash new, Yahweh didn't drown the flesh. It still exists. Paul talks about it. Paul was a believer, and in Romans chapter 7, he says, I desire to do what's right, but I can't. And even though I don't want to do what's wrong, I still do. You know, this is, this is a battle between the flesh and the spirit, and, and it happens today in our lives. Yahweh, when we were baptized, like I said, the flesh wasn't drowned. We were washed and made new. We still stumble. We still fail. And so choice B takes place, and sometimes we follow our own evil desires instead of seeking Yahweh for help to make it through a trial, we fall into temptation. That's what James is talking about here. But the question is, at hand, is whose fault is it? That's the question of today in verses 13 through 18. Whose fault is it? Is it Yahweh's? Because he brought the trial to start with, right? He let us enter into the trial. So is it his fault that we didn't follow him, that we fall into temptation? Or is it our fault? I mean, he let it, he let it take place. So can we blame it on Yahweh? If we fall into temptation, whose fault is it? Well, it turns out that this is a very old argument, age-old argument. Matter of fact, it goes all the way back to the beginning of time. So if you don't mind, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to go back to the original fall of man. Genesis chapter 3 and verses 9 through 14, and, and we'll read this. Let's, um, let's just start in verse 8. In verse 8 it says, Then the man and his wife, that would be Adam and Eve, 
the man and his wife heard the sound of Yahweh, the Almighty, walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from Yahweh, the Almighty, among the trees of the garden. So Yahweh, the Almighty, called out to the man, and he said to him, Where are you? And he said, Well, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat of? Then the man replied, The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate. So Yahweh the Almighty asked the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, It was the serpent. He deceived me, and I ate. Then Yahweh the Almighty said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. This is the story of the fall of man. That's where it's all started. But notice at the, at the very onset of temptation where the blame falls. Adam blames his wife, or bl- indirectly blames Yahweh, but he blames his wife right to start with. He doesn't, we don't want to accept responsibility for anything we do. After all, Adam was in the garden by himself. Or he was alone. He didn't have a wife. He just fell asleep one day. Next thing you know, he wakes up and he's married. He didn't even ask for it. He just wakes up married. It's not really Adam's fault. Yahweh gave this woman to him and caused him to sin. Or at least we could make the argument. He was a happy bachelor. You know, he didn't. He wasn't asking for anything. I'm teasing. But seriously, in verse 12, if you look at verse 12... What does Adam say? The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Adam blames Yahweh indirectly. Yahweh made the tree that bore the fruit. Yahweh made the serpent that tempted Eve. Yahweh made Eve who told Adam to eat. So in essence, Adam blames Yahweh for creating all the circumstances that led him to sin. And so it's been ever since. We all do that. So if we want to be naive and shirk our own responsibilities... I guess in one sense we could just say, just like Adam, that Yahweh is to blame because it, if, if he wouldn't have created us or created our circumstances, we wouldn't fall in temptation and therefore sin and be deserving of death. But a lot of times we don't directly blame Yahweh. You know, we don't come right out and shake our fist at Yahweh and say, Yahweh, you, you, um, you caused me to have this wreck or you caused me to get locked up drinking and driving. We don't say something like that, but we would say, if Yahweh, if you'd have let my wife stay married to me, I wouldn't have become a drunkard. And then I wouldn't have drove off to the bar and got drunk. And then I wouldn't have had a wreck on the way home and killed the three innocent children that are now buried. You know, that's how you indirectly blame Yahweh. It's not Yahweh's fault that your wife left you. You might need to tighten up the home life or something. You know, that's, it, we, can't, we can't blame things on Yahweh. And that's exactly what James is dealing with in verse 13. If you turn back to... James chapter 1 and verse 13. James forbids it. He says, let no one say when he is tempted that I am tempted by Yahweh. That, my brothers, is an exhortation from the half-brother of our master. He says, let no one say that I am tempted by Yahweh. In other words, James is saying this. No one undergoing a trial should say or rationalize with itself or justify himself, or take himself off the hook by saying it's Yahweh's fault, he's tempting me. You don't, you don't make excuses for yourself. We cannot say this. 
And the second part of verse 13 tells us specifically that Yahweh's not tempted by evil, and neither does he tempt anyone with evil. So if he's not responsible for your temptation, I think we've examined that. If he's not responsible for your temptation, then he's not responsible for the sin that's the result of it either. So where does that leave the blame? Directly with us. Directly with us. We and only we are to blame. We can't blame it on Yahweh. We can't blame it on our brother. We can't blame it on our sister or the, or the circumstances in life. The whole point of this is to just admit when you're wrong, let's not blame Yahweh. Let's just say, hey, we, we failed. We're in error and we need to tighten up. In verse 14, let's read it. In verse 14, but each person is tempted when he's drawn away enticed and enticed by his own evil desires. Each person, meaning you and I, are drawn away when we don't have faith. When we're undergoing a trial, we're still in a trial right here. This is where this is coming from. When we're undergoing a trial, we're drawn away when we don't have faith and when we don't do what's right or act obedient in the trial. Instead, we succumb to our own lustfulness, our greediness, and then we fall into temptation leading to sin. What are our evil desires anyway? What is a desire? A desire is, is simply our emotions wanting to be satisfied. And most of our evil desires are just desires of Yahweh's good things. Take, for example, food. We love food, and food in itself is great. But when we let it become a desire to that we to the point that we eat too much of it, we become gluttons, and that's sin. And it's the same way with sleep. Sleep is a beautiful thing. Yahweh gives us sleep. We're supposed to rest on the Sabbath day, right? Whether you sleep or not, you're supposed to rest. It's a beautiful thing. But if you sleep too much and become greedy with your sleep or you or you want it so much that you let it overcome and take take over your life, then you become a sluggard. And a sluggard's a sinful thing. We we don't need to be sluggard. Or even or even sex. It's a wonderful thing. It's given by Yahweh. But when it's perverted or sought after outside of Yahweh's will it becomes temptation and it leads it leads to sin. And this happens because of the person giving way to his own evil desires and justified it in his mind that what he's doing is okay. Fornication is sin. Homosexuality is sin. And it doesn't matter that you're 20 years old and you're not married yet and pressure's on you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's sin. Okay? And so when we let that temptation, that's a trial. We let that temptation get on us and overtake us, we fall into sin. Yahweh's not responsible for our temptations. That's our problem. That's our problem. He gives all these good things to everybody. Yahweh gives them. These are good things to be to be had in 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 respectable ways, I guess. It's not his nature to be tempted, but it is ours. Look at verse 15. Verse 15 it says, "Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death." That desire of wanting something that you don't need, once that desire becomes fully grown, it gives birth to sin. Or once it once that desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and once sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. James says, "After desire has conceived, our desire or our, our emotion that wants to be satisfied leads to deception. 
because we start to rationalize and justify it, justify it in our own minds, and because of that, we conceive the idea to sin, and then we follow through with it into disobedience. The evil desire is conceived in our minds, and once we follow through with it, it then gives birth to sin, and once that is fully grown, it gives birth to death. What does Paul say in Romans? He says the wages of sin is death. Death. Let me give you an example of how this works. I'm going to pick on Sister Elise just because I think she's a righteous woman, and, and uh, I just want to tease her a little bit. Elise, raise your hand so the visitors know who you are. I'm picking them. I'm just teasing. Uh, ladies, Yahweh, Yahweh gives us the gift of clothing, right? All right. Yahweh, Yahweh give it to us. Uh, clothing is not a bad thing. He gave it to Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. And since then, it's evolved and grown into a marketable item, and we use it all across the world now. Everybody likes clothes. I like clothes. Uh, women like to shop, for, for probably more so than men, But so we're going to pick on Lee. But let's just say Sister Lee is walking through the mall one day. This is an example of how this takes place. Let's just say she's walking through the mall one day, and she sees this real pretty dress in Dillard's. Okay? It's $250, and she doesn't have the extra money to buy it. But she really wants it. And we got an upcoming event at church, and she wants to look good. And so she calls around all the brothers and sisters to see if she can borrow the money, but nobody will lend it to her. <laughs> Sorry, Sister Lee, you get, you're getting picked on. So, um, so nobody will lend her the money, but she's bound to determine that she's not leaving Dillard's without this dress. So she decides to go into the dressing room, take off the clothes that she has on, put the new dress on, and then put the clothes that she had on back over them. She walks out of the dressing room, leaves the store with a new dress intact under her existing clothes. She goes home. She doesn't get caught. Even though the dress is stolen, Sister Lee gets to wear it to the upcoming event. She's now a thief. All right? I'm picking on Lee. Now, that's funny, and I'm just cutting up. We all know that Sister Lee's not a thief, or at least we think she's not. However, that is how temptation works. And our desire for something like the dress in this case, causes our emotions to be aroused, and in order to satisfy it, the deception takes place in our mind. And as we justify the need for the dress, we start to conceive or design a plan to obtain it. And once we go through with the plan, it becomes sin. And that sin leads to death. The wages of sin is death. During this process... We may even convince ourselves that Yahweh's at fault. And the way we would do this is this. Sister Elise might say, she's sitting on a park bench outside of Dillard's and she's looking at that dress and it's just hanging on that mannequin and she's, you know, really liking it. And she says, uh, Yahweh said that we had to clothe ourselves. And Yahweh knows that I hadn't had a dress, a new one, in a year. And Yahweh's going to put this dress right on this mannequin right in front of me. He calls me to walk by dealers and see this and he knows how bad I'm going to want it and so therefore Yahweh calls the stumble that's fixing to take place that's exactly what James says we can't do we can't blame Yahweh for the temptations that are put on us that's our own evil desires that that causes this in verses 16 through 17 let's read those again don't be deceived my dearly loved brothers Every generous act and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. With him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. James reminds the reader, do not be deceived. 
into thinking that Yahweh is tempting you or that you have fallen into sin because of Yahweh. Why? Verse 17 is the answer to verse 16. He says, because every perfect gift is from Yahweh. Not evil desires or deception or temptation into sin. Remember what happened to Eve when she was tempted by the serpent. Yahweh had given Adam and Eve all they needed. He placed them in a garden. They could eat all they wanted, but they, there was just one rule. Don't eat of the tree of knowledge. That was, that was the only rule. Yahweh had given them every perfect gift, the gift. They walked with Yahweh in paradise. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. Heck, they even got to run around naked. They didn't even have to wear clothes. I mean, how good does it get? They're walking around naked in the garden. They don't even know they're naked. That's even better. People that went to Woodstock tried to relive this whole thing, walk around naked and not even know about it, you know. But anyway, that's how good it was in, in paradise. They didn't need anything, but something else brought deception and caused them to be tempted. Not Yahweh, but the serpent. And all the serpent had to do was appeal to their desire, and all he had to say was, Oh, Yahweh said you shall die. Surely not. This is what the serpent reaffirmed, uh, reassured Eva. He said that you would die. Now, surely not. Then the deception is placed in Eve's mind, and it gives way to disobedience. This is proof that Yahweh doesn't tempt us because every good gift comes from above, not the wicked gift. Every good gift comes from above. The second part of verse 17 says, All good things come down from the Father of lights, and with him there is no variation or shadow cast by turning. Now, everyone in this church, Oh, I, w- I wouldn't say everyone, but most, most in this church should be a little bit familiar with this because of our understanding of the celestial lights. We all know that they change constantly to show us different things, to measure time, to reveal the seasons, and so on. The sun appears by day and then appears at, disappears at night, and vice versa with the moon. But as righteous as these lights are and as perfect as they are, because Yahweh created them, they are ever-changing. They constantly change. The moon doesn't look the same from day to day. It doesn't look the same. It always changes. And Yahweh's much greater than the celestial lights, and he doesn't change at all. And in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I am Yahweh, I do not change. He has always been good and always will be good. We have an evil nature that, cre- that creates desires that gives rise to sin, but Yahweh doesn't. All that he gives to us is good. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Verse 17. Now, verse 18, I want to read it, but next time I teach, I will teach this verse alone by itself. I want to cover it because I don't believe that I can finish this message without covering verse 18, but there's so much to be said about it, I don't want to stop. I want to, I want to actually go back through verse 18 and teach a whole sermon on it, but we'll read it anyways. In verse 18, it says, by his own choice, speaking of Yahweh, he gave us a new birth by the message of truth so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. Get this, brothers and sisters. This is another proof that Yahweh doesn't tempt us into sin. It says, by his own choice, he gave us a new birth so that we would be the first fruits of his creatures. Yahweh doesn't want us to sin because he regenerates us to be like him. He changes us to make us be like him. The very nature of regeneration trumps the idea of Yahweh leading us into sin. The whole idea of regeneration and making person a new giving them a new heart, completely thwarts the idea of, 
of being sinful nature. We're to be made new so that we walk in the likeness of him. However, like I said a while ago, we're baptized into the Messiah. We're not drowned. We're still humans. We're still made of flesh. He gives us a new life. Temptation leads to death, but Yahweh regenerates us to, to new life. We, he wouldn't tempt us to do evil. No, by his choice, he wills. He gives us a new heart, and he recreates us to do good and, because, and become his own first fruit, his own beloved possession. The last part of the verse says, so that we might be the first fruits of the creation. We all know the law of first fruits in Exodus 23, verse 19. I say we all. I probably shouldn't say that. The law of first fruits is in Exodus 23, 19. If you don't know the law of first fruits, you should know it. <laughs> so, so study it. And Exodus 23, 19 says to bring the first fruits of your land to Yahweh. The first and the best of our harvest belongs to Yahweh. So when it says in James 1, verse 18, that he brings us forth by his own will that we may be the first fruits of his creation, he is saying we are recreated to be the first and the best. The first fruits of the new creation to come, the new heavens and the earth, the kingdom. Praise Yahweh for his recreation in us. Brothers and sisters, everyone suffers. Everyone goes through trials and sometimes even temptations. If you fall, you will be tempted. That's, that's, that's what a temptation is. So how do we respond to those trials? It's the test of our true saving faith. James teaches us that true saving faith accepts responsibility for sin because no one should say Yahweh is tempted me since we are tempted by our own evil desires. So in closing, I want to leave you with a thought. At what point in our lives do we start to deal with sin? Is it after the sin is committed or way back when the desire begins? Brothers and sisters, the only way to deal with sin is to nip it in the bud as soon as it starts. Remember our desire that wants to be satisfied leads, us to, leads to deception in our minds, which leads to a plan being conceived and then the carrying out of disobedience into sin. If our evil desire ever take hold, if our evil desires ever take hold and form that plan which becomes our will, the sin will be born and it will bring forth death. Guaranteed it will happen every time. James says it will happen. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Learn to control your desires in your mind. Give it to Yahweh and pray that he leads you in, not into temptation but deliver you from evil. That's one of the prayers of the Messiah. He says, pray that he'll lead us not into temptation. Yahweh's not leading you into temptation anyway. But he says, pray that you, he leads you not into temptation. In other words, not let you fall into temptation. It's the way that it's worded. He's not leading you into temptation. This, a holy sanctified mind is driven by a changed sanctified heart. Our mind, if we have a holy mindset, it's driven by a heart change that took place from Yahweh. A sanctified heart produces a sanctified mind. This mind that I'm speaking of, this sanctified mind, it'll fight the carnal desires of the flesh and in order to be approved by the one who changed it. It does it so that Yahweh will accept us. Yahweh changes the heart so that the heart controls the mind, so that the mind will do what is right, so that we're acceptable before Yahweh. It's all one big vicious circle, or not vicious circle, it's a beautiful circle. Yahweh does this so that we would be acceptable. We would be presentable sacrifices before him. We're not presentable on our own. We're presentable because of the work that Yahweh did in our heart, making us who we are through the blood of his own son. It's a beautiful thing, but we shouldn't blame Yahweh for it. It's okay that we're tempted. 
everybody's tempted. Like, like Paul said, you, you won't be tempted beyond what's common to humanity. We're tempted. We're tempted. We go through trials. And if we'll do what's right, if we'll keep our mind focused on Yahweh or set on Yahweh and follow his lead and do what he has told us to do, we'll make it through those trials. We'll come out victorious and we'll look like heroes on the other side. But if we give in to the desires that are set before us or, or the, you know, the obstacles in our way, if we give in to them, we will fall. We will sin. And the result there is, thereof is death. So um, it's real simple. It's not hard. James is not not teaching something that's just beyond our reach. He's just saying, hey, if you mess up, admit that you mess up. Don't don't blame it on Yahweh. Yahweh didn't do it. He gives you all the good things. Yahweh didn't cause you to sin or cause you to stumble. If you if you didn't if you didn't make the right choices going through your trials, that's your own problem. But be big enough to say, I messed up. Ask for forgiveness. When we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Right? Thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. All right, well, next time I will, I'll do my best to cover uh, verse 18. I think it's just jam-packed full of information, and I was afraid to even try to put it in for this today. So we'll cover that next time, and if, uh, if nobody has any questions, I guess we'll pray and dismiss. And if you do have questions, I won't do it now, but afterwards, if you've got a question for me, I'd be glad to, uh, I'd be glad to try to answer it. I don't know that I can, but I'll do my best. So anyway, I'll pray, and we'll get out of here. Yahweh, Father, I'm thankful. I'm thankful today that um, that you're a merciful, mighty one. I'm thankful that you give us grace, and I'm thankful that we have an advocate with the Father. I'm thankful that we have an advocate with you through your only begotten Son. And Yahweh, I know that um, trials are coming our way, and and uh, it's a it's a test to make us grow, to 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 make us be stronger, to be better equipped in our walk for you, Father. Just help us to make the right decisions, Father. I pray that we don't fall into temptation, that you deliver us from evil, and that we that we will be what you would have us to be. Yahweh, make us um, make us beautiful first fruits, that we would that we would be your prized possession. Father, I love you so much, and I'm I'm so thankful for the for all that you've done. I just pray that you would you'd work through me and and um, through the the people in this congregation to reach reach lost souls and and. Uh, Help change hearts for the benefit of your kingdom. Father, we love you so much. And we ask all this in your holy son's name. Amen.